Behind the Shades. Hello, hello. I am Amanda Olajars. Pretty much you can find me at amandala.coach. That's my Facebook, Instagram, and even my website, amandala.coach. Pretty easy. Um, who am I? That's a good question because I'm still figuring myself out. However, I will say that <laughs> my divorce definitely helped me to figure myself out in my entirety. As far as professionally, I call myself an empowerment coach. So what I do is help people connect the dots between holistic health and spiritual wellness. Uh, and that encompasses a whole variety of things. But that is also thank you to the big D. So even though it's super hard, traumatic, like I have so many things to be grateful for from it, which is why I am finally able to talk about it. So take us through the beginning. How long were you married and what led you to ultimately say, hey, I think I need to start thinking of something else and go and take my life in a different direction? So my story is kind of fun because I don't do anything like regular, right? I, um, <laughs> I knew this dude back in high school because he dated my best friend at the time and I absolutely hated his guts, right? He did some not so nice things to her that I had forgotten about because it'd been like 10 years since I seen him. But me and my girlfriend were at a party. He put his arm around her. I got super jealous. But I didn't know myself. I was a completely different person than I am right now. Um, yeah, I got jealous. Took that as feelings for him. Like, ooh, oh my God. Okay, blah, blah, blah. So when he started paying me attention, I was like, all right, this is cool. Long story long, he had a phenomenal way with words. And I almost feel like I was tricked into getting married, quote unquote, because he used to tell me all the time, like, yeah, I want to marry you. And eventually I said, you know, I still want to hear the words. And he's like, what words? So I was like, you know, the words. He's like, what are you talking about? So I said, you know, will you marry me? And then well, he said, yes. So that was our engagement. That's what he started telling everybody. And I just kind of rolled with it because I didn't have like self-confidence. Right. <laughs> so that's how I got engaged. How I got married, woo-woo, I called it the end of my life because I was not in a good place mentally or emotionally, financially, was just a joke and a half, but I called it the end of my life. So we decided to get married on Friday the 13th. I decided to get a custom dress because I'm a massage therapist at this point in my life. I could barter for anything and everything. So I got my wedding dress for $80 custom made it was like completely hideous but I got it made black because I was getting married Friday the 13th it was the end of my life so it all made sense um there were so many things that went wrong me and the dude we did not get along however I kept hearing you know just wait marriage changes everything right and I'm like okay thinking to myself after all of these little events that just were completely crazy beforehand this has got to change for the better after I walked down that aisle. <laughs> so fast forward, we're at, uh, oh my gosh, destination wedding. 
I'm 45 minutes late to my old wedding because I didn't X, Y, Z plan traffic, yada, yada. <laughs> so I show up and both my parents are walking my walking me down the aisle. I turn like flush red. My heart starts beating out of my chest. I'm like, I can't do this. They're like kind of dragging me. My voice during like everything was just cracking. I'm like, I can't do this. This is insane. I didn't believe in signs. I didn't believe in anything like afterlife. No, whatever happens on this planet in this life, that's it. Like when we die, it's just like we're sleeping. Nothing. Silence, right? Yeah. So I said multiple times, if I believed in signs, I should not be doing this. We lost the marriage license. It got lost somewhere in Louisiana. <laughs> it got lost again somewhere in Illinois. And then the witness signed on the wrong line. So we went through three different marriage licenses before we actually officially got married, <laughs> at least legally speaking. So there was a whole just bunch of different things. And well, things got different but they got worse I didn't know what the definition or even what a narcissist was I didn't know what an empath was and if you don't know the empath narcissist relationship is one that just intertwines so good it's a back and forth kind of play but they know how to use your words against you and twist like your deepest darkest fears and even the littlest things I call them big babies I'm like dang you're like my sister. You're like my mother. So I was married to my mother. And I'm like, oh, this is fine. I don't even have a relationship with this woman. I only invited her to my own wedding because I had to, right? Like, it's kind of the thing you're supposed to do. But yeah, relationships super got worse. And I put myself back in school so that I could be able to be financially independent of him because he made it so that I had to rely on him for a lot of things. And I'm like, all right, woo woo. I'm trying to like stand my ground, stand my power. One of my girlfriends who I never thought in a million years would get separated from her husband he just picked up and left out of nowhere, out of the blue. And she started to go through this crazy thing. She started introducing me to all of this stuff, life coaching, like uh, simplifying your life, the four agreements, word goddess training. It was just all of this new and exciting stuff all at once. And I started using this in my real life with this ex and he was not liking it too much. And um I mean, in his defense, I was also batshit crazy too. I had a little bit of a drinking problem to where I was just drunk for a while. That was my standard. I was trying to like get off of it. And honestly, it's one of the best things that I've done. It's just like ridding alcohol. Anyway, I'm digressing. It was just like, oh, she was one of the happiest people. I saw her be so miserable and I'm like, okay, she's got to be doing something right. I know it's outside of the box, but I started like implementing these things and I just felt like a sense of power and confidence. And I feel like he saw it, but he didn't want to say anything. And one day, like I had planned after I graduated from school to leave him. That was my ultimate goal. School had come. I graduated. 
I'm still there. He graduates. I had left him just before he graduated, but his graduation got us back together. I'm there. I'm miserable. I'm like, all right, give me like three three months and I'm out of there. I don't even know how much time passed. It was very, very short. He comes home from work one day. He was a Chicago police officer. Comes home from work around midnight. He walks in like upset as heck. Walks over to me. I'm sitting on the couch minding my own business. He unplugs my phone from the phone charger. And I look at him and I'm like, you know, you're disrespecting me. And he just kind of looked dumbfounded. And I'm like, yeah, obviously you're showing me that your stuff is so much better than mine. And mine is just completely irrelevant that you don't even have to ask if I'm using this. You just assume all of this. And he got frustrated, unplugged the phone charger, left the room, came back, sit down on the couch, and then takes his duty weapon, points it at me right flat out. And yeah, I could still see it. It was mm, so terrifying. I asked him to put it down and instead I heard a click. And in that moment, like my life completely changed. I didn't know what was happening. All I knew is I was scared and I reevaluated my life and I saw every single little thing that I did wrong, quote unquote, to get me in this position. I was really shocked that it wasn't anything big. It was all the little things that I just kind of brushed off. And I'm like, crap, I deserve this right now. I deserve to be with this man who, in my eyes, just tried to kill me. So I packed my bags and I left him like it was a no brainer. So I'm like, crap, I have to move back home with my narcissistic mom. (laughs) Woo woo. I had two bangles at the time. They were my gifts. And yeah, it was just all sorts of crazy. I wound up having to give up the one bangle. Um, Bless his soul, but he was awesome. I have every faith that my ex is getting the karma he deserves because he got Mr. Miyagi, bless his little soul, because Mr. Miyagi, I witnessed this in the middle of the night, me and my ex were sleeping. (laughs) Mr. Miyagi, just for no reason, up and pees on his pillow while my ex is sleeping. That's how he woke up. That's why I was kind of okay to part with him in the very, very end, but it was like one of the roughest things I ever do. I'm like, I'm parting with a cat. This is crazy. However, oh, anyway, the happily divorced part comes in where at the end of the day, I feel like I was with one of the worst people on the face of the planet and I deserved it. So how do I deserve better? So I started looking at myself and I too found my mother who's a narcissist. So I started doing all those little tweaks. I started implementing all of the things that my girlfriend was telling me. I started doing life coaching and everything just started falling into place. And I'm like, holy cow, this is much easier than I thought. This isn't so scary. Then it also like got me face to face with, I come from trauma. I come from poverty. I'm scared of success. I'm scared of freedom. I'm scared of stability because what happens when everything goes right? Like where I come from, something obviously going to go real bad, real quick, real soon. But let me, let me stop you there and ask you when you started to evaluate that marriage and then you started to see all these things go kind of um left as they say and then you started to realize hey 
there's a lot of craziness that's going on right here, right? And you're looking around, you're like, hmm, I was poor. I felt like I was kind of tricked into this marriage. Um, I'm trying to figure out why I'm still with this person. And my emotions are confusing because this man was once with my friend. And that's like a big no-no for girls, right? Especially as, as well as, as boys. And then it's like, hmm, I wonder if what I'm feeling is actually a different type of emotion than it actually is. So when, so did you ever have that type of conversation with yourself where you're like, you know what, Amanda, what you're actually feeling is not real and you're just projecting onto this and you're making this person to be better than what they actually are. Yeah. And that's a really tough conversation to have, but that's also how I saw my mother and myself too. And I just want to throw out there that I don't talk to that girlfriend anymore, which is like, oh, I know it's a big no, no, absolutely. However, if there wasn't all this time, uh, uh-uh. anyway, um, yeah, asking myself that is just a is super hard because you have to admit like some things that you don't necessarily want to. And a lot of the times the other person that we're in a relationship with is just a mirror for ourselves. So it wasn't all just him either. It was the parts of me that I would consider the worst. And it was Also, how I was projecting that out, too, there was a certain level of insanity where I kept doing the same thing and expecting different results. That's when I started doing some of the stuff that I had been learning in the life coaching and the other, like, I guess, books that I was reading. Um, I started trying new things to get out of that pattern to see what would work and, you know, observing, yada, yada. And yeah, reevaluation has to come a lot with that, especially when it's not working. It's like, okay, am I insane? And not too many people I knew at that time were into the new lifestyle that I was developing. So it was mostly just me and my girlfriend. And I'm like, are you sure we're the only two? And then, you know, there's our not therapist, therapist coach lady, like, oh, there's got to be others out there. Of course there are, but when you're starting off, it's lonely. Do you have an example of some of the behaviors that you saw being changed as you started to realize, hey, this coaching, this mentoring, this empowerment is making me feel better and I don't want to be that Amanda anymore? Yeah, so reading and recognizing more when I'm quote unquote getting played, when I'm falling into like a word trap because he was king at manipulating my words against me. And the best way I could describe him is he's the kind of person that would make me trip and then show off that he caught me. There's no reason for it. So he would take my words and uh, switch them around. So for instance, I've never gotten along with my family. So I said that I wished my sister would just up and leave. He went and took it to my mother like, 
Amanda said you should go and kick, you know, your sister out, like get her out of here. It's just too much, yada, yada. I'm like, whoa, hold on. So initially when I hear that, like the old me would have like completely blown up, like, uh-uh, insert, you know, a whole bunch of like wannabe hood, like, ah, oh, dropping F-bombs and stuff just to show intensity. But obviously that didn't work. That is something that a narcissist absolutely loves. They play on emotions. They play on making you crazy. So instead it's like, oh, really? Did I say that? Like questioning what it is that he said, especially when I know it's not true and being able to quote it back definitely helps because with narcissists, you have to have proof of everything. Uh, That definitely helped. And that It takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts to just stand up and speak your truth, especially when you're, you don't really have a voice or know who you are, like come from confidence in the slightest, like just saying no when you want to sometimes is really rough, yet alone questioning somebody who thinks that they have authority over you and you know it, but like you can't verbalize that and nobody else can kind of see it, but yeah, just switching them out of their their dominating state of mind definitely helps to throw them off their beat and then it kind of gives you a one-up too i know for me sometimes i look back on some of the relationships i had and i had to figure out how i'm going to let the person know that i don't like what they're doing and how it impacts me and i definitely don't like um the behavior or the person that the Nestle is showing me. And one thing that I wanted to share with you was that I had to be comfortable telling someone no, meaning that I'm not going to give you access to myself, either emotionally, physically, spiritually at this moment, because some of the things that you're doing is hurting me. So, Amanda, so as you're going forward now, was it difficult for you to get the type of relationship you want after your divorce? Absolutely, because I personally am still searching. Um, However, it definitely made me waste less time. Um with how traumatic everything was for me. Uh, I was scared to be around a lot of guys and to be intimate with anybody just because I knew that I was making the wrong choices. I also uh, didn't want to waste my time either. I was divorced when I was I think 30 or 31, somewhere around there. And I'm already like, all right, uh-uh, this is not where I saw myself. Like, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> all the stories that we tell ourselves in our head. Um, shoot, I already forgot what I was talking about. No, I know you're mentioning that you're trying to navigate any relationships because oh. as you mentioned, it's hard to... I'll be honest with you, to go through either a div- after divorce or after a serious relationship to jump back into this dating market is tough. And you're tr- you're saying that you're trying to figure it out and search for the type of relationship that you want. And what is that type of relationship? Yeah, um, it definitely after the big D, 
there's not too many things that I will stand for anymore. Like red flag is red flag. I, one of the things I reevaluate is my standards and okay, you know, I am constantly evolving as a person. I want somebody that is doing that. Maybe not exactly like me, but still evolving on whatever level, whatever modality it is that they're, they're into. Turns out lots of people are really boring. (laughs) So in my personal experience, if you don't have at least one hobby or one thing beside like doing nothing or getting high or playing video games or scrolling on social media, like, I'm sorry, we're just not going to vibe. And since my NDE, my big D, if you don't have some kind of faith or spirituality, like we're just not going to do it. So my pickings are already fairly small. Plus I'm old, right? I've got that age limit. So it narrows it down more and more. However, uh, like I was saying, when I was getting married, if I would have listened to how my body was reacting, I wouldn't have gotten married. If I would have known that that was a sign Uh, I wouldn't have done it. So I'm listening more to my body when I'm meeting somebody like, all right, how am I feeling? I'm checking in with myself. Is it butterflies? Because the butterfly feeling isn't necessarily good. We think it's good because butterflies are amazing. However, it's more like your stomach is turning. So is it that or do I feel calm? Is my heart racing? Do I feel super sweaty? Did I just get ice cold? All of these things like play a variable. And When I'm honest with myself, I know instantly if we're going to have a second date or not. That's why I'm self-proclaimed first date queen, just because you can't, mm, until you meet in person or until like you have that, all right, we're both here. We're both wanting a romantic relationship. Let's see where this goes. You don't know. However, energy speaks louder than words. So, you know, instantly if it's going to vibe or not. And that's just the, it is what it is of it. I agree. And the first date tells so much. Like if I were to use you as an example, we met, however we met outside of this, right. And we went on a first date. There's certain things that you would look for, right? Like how do you vibe? Like, what do you discuss? Things of that nature. And it's true. Like if I were to show up to the table and I was like, you know what, Amanda, I play video games 20 hours a day, you know, or I just sit there and I just binge watch TV show after TV show after TV show. It may be a different conversation. There's some people that dig it and there's some people that like it and there's some people that don't. But if I came to you and I said, okay, man, let's go to this type of restaurant and I take a, a little bit more of the lead, right? And I say, this is what I expect of myself. I work at this job. I see myself here in the next five years. I, I want someone on my arm to celebrate some of these things with, I think that would be a better conversation. And I think sometimes, and I'm going to be a little bit hard on the men. I think the men are a little bit immature when it comes to that. They haven't grown up to say those types of things. It's more so, hey, Amanda, how are you doing? You know, it's more (laughs) like Joey from Friends, right? Where they rely on the charm a little bit. So is that what you experience coming from like the, the female perspective post-divorce, you're still trying to figure it out. Is that more of the vibes that you get where you feel that you're too mature or too grown for these types of guys, or it's like a hit and miss there? It's 
definitely a hit or miss because I feel like the last guy that I went out that was around my age, he came off really, really mature. We had intellectual or what I feel intellectual conversations that lasted a long time. We got into some, uh, you know, deep conversations about a lot of things. However, when we went out for the first time, he wound up <laughs> trying to talk about my areolas, asking me all sorts of questions like rapid fire about them. And this was out of nowhere. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, okay, you're still a guy. That's cool. Uh, no, this is first date. Sorry, not going to happen. So I just kindly walked out. <laughs> um. But yeah, I feel like it's also just, uh, uh, I've tried to do, I've opened my horizons a little bit more because I did try to date older. However, I feel like who you get in a relationship, like on the first date, isn't necessarily who you're going to get for the entirety of the relationship. It's going to be best foot forward. So I, since my big D have this really cool ability to see you instantly as a child as soon as something doesn't go right. So that also makes my relationships a little bit shorter. And um, I mean, yeah, it's just finding out who you're compatible with <laughs> and who you want, like how I describe it is who I want my pouty little Amanda to be pouty with. Like, who are we going to be pouty together or who's going to know how to counter my power pouty too and that's a very good point i'm glad you raised it because i know for me sometimes where i'm having the conversation through let's say text over the phone once you put that person in front of you some people like a deer in headlights they have nothing to say even though they've talked so much over the phone or in text and you just get that vibe where you're like this isn't it. But they were so cool on the phone, right? Like they said all the right things. They made you feel all the all the, the nice ways and all this stuff, like all the right emotions. It was like the stars were aligning and you had stardust in your eyes, right? Love was in the air. You meet them in person. You're like, oh, love just died. <laughs> right. But sometimes that does happen. But what I because I coach women who are trying to find um success in their relationships, professional, personal, professional, romantic. And a lot of things that I tell them is that the first couple of dates, I'm like, when you meet someone, however you meet them, let's say dating apps, right? You weed out people just based on the conversation over text or on the phone. When you meet, you weed them out even further. So you want to go from, let's say like hundred to like 50 to like 20 to like 10, because you want to figure it out. And I tell them, set your boundaries, if you want to grow old with this man, you have to ask certain questions. Okay, where do you work? What do you do? What do you like? If it's someone that's strictly sex, who cares about all those questions, right? You're like, okay, are you clean? <laughs> right? You're going to keep it nice and simple. But it's all about the, the conversation piece. But I think sometimes we have no idea what we want and we have no idea to say or even ask how we want like hey amanda this is what i'm looking for are you that type of girl do you have are you having those types of conversations absolutely you have to because another fun fact about me is after my big d right i 
I was not with anybody for a long time. I went out on a couple of dates and I'm like, this is not working. And long story long, I left in the middle of the night. So I didn't pack a lot of my stuff and the stuff that I got was mostly destroyed. So I just start fresh. One of the fun jobs, because I always have a fun job, <laughs> was selling pure romance. So I was selling sex toys. So I got to know myself on a very intimate and personal level. And let's just say me, myself, and Mr. Purple have a lot of things that we can do just by ourselves. So it's like, all right, well, I know I can do this like alone. Why do I need you? How are you becoming an asset in my life? So the more kinds of questions I ask right up front and seeing how they're responding because it's not just about the words that they're saying it's body language is a lot to do with it too are they pausing a lot are they looking me in the eye is their voice starting to tremble all sorts of things like closed off are they I don't know slouching a lot what is uh what is it that they're doing and am I okay with it like it's always checking back in with me am I okay with this and if I'm not it's like, this is going to be the worst part of them. And I'm not okay with that. So why am I going to keep my, my bar down here? I'm going to raise it up and raise it up. And because I can see that and recognize it, a, once again, it makes the pickings a little bit slimmer because there's not a whole lot of people that I like. And that's why I keep my circle small. But that's how I know, like, my people are good. They're the people that I could call at two, three in the morning and that's what I want my person. And it's not like a boyfriend, right? It's not a girlfriend. It's a partner. It's a partnership. It's that significant other. It's the yin to my yang. It's not just like a 50-50. We've heard it. Yeah, you know, super awesome. But on the days that I'm imbalanced or crazy or sick, my 100% is lower than on the days that I'm healthy, energetic, and vibrant. So somebody's got to pick up that difference in 100, which went from 50 down to 10. So I want that partner to be able to see that too. So you can see if they're able to have that conversation, that back and forth with you, if like that's going to be a play. Because I've been a massage therapist since 2007 for some reason, like my little old ladies, they freaking love me. My oldest is 97, but I hear all of the things. And at the end of the day, they don't want anybody to sleep with Hell, They don't even want people to cuddle. They want somebody, especially a man to talk to. So you're not talking in the beginning of this, just like my divorce. It's not going to get any better. It's only going to get progressively worse. So this is the baseline. Do you want to see that escalate? No, no. In honesty with yourself, like mom's not going to tell me. And if you need mom to help you out, like that's totally cool. However, I still need to put my big girl pants on and say, no, this is my decision. Even though no is hard, it's still doable. Would you get married again? Oh, no, <laughs> legally, no. Would I have a commitment ceremony? Absolutely. Um, and this is the biggest reason. I live in the wonderful state of Illinois. And I did not know until I was going through my divorce and getting all of the papers in check that I had to ask permission from my ex-husband 
to give me my maiden name, my birth name back to me. I had to get that in my divorce decree in writing. And woo woo, honestly, I just didn't see the big benefits to legally getting married. Showing off your marriage, showing off your commitment to each other, absolutely. But I feel like the legality of it is totally propaganda and a great moneymaker. Thank <laughs> you.